We have so much to be thankful for, wouldn't you agree? Hi Flames fans, this is Jason Porter with Legacy Realty and Development. This is such a wonderful time of year where we have a chance to reflect on all of our blessings, and I want to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. We have been so blessed to serve our friends and clients over this past year and would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. Again, happy Thanksgiving, and feel free to call or text anytime, 434-258-8827. Uh, being able to uh, have them, that was really cool. You know, they want to come support us in person more or less than watching us on TV. So I, I, I just appreciate them for coming out here and uh, uh, letting us go out there and glorify God, you know? I've done this long enough. Every year's different. There's no team that has the same DNA, same leadership, same hunger, desire, passion. It was great 2020. I got the ring. I got the picture. I got it all. I got it. I will have it framed. Top 20 in the nation. That's awesome. But you know what? It's time to run to the roar of 2021. It's here. It's a different week, Malik. It's a different week, Malik. For we can. For we, we can. can do all things. For all things. Through Christ Jesus. Who strengthens us. strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Fight with the fight. We are back with another episode for our final regular season game. Army, we will continue doing the podcast for the remainder of the athletic school year, but this is our last one that will be focused on a regular season game, assuming that we play in a bowl game. We're excited to be back after a tough weekend for Liberty Athletics. I'm joined by my good friend, uh, I guess he's a co-host now, founder, creator, all things the Sea of Red. John Manson has been joining us all year long. Uh, John, how are you doing today? Every time you ask that every week, I say I'm good, but I'd be lying if I said that today. I know. I feel the same, man. I, you know, kind of put it to the side for a few hours yesterday to watch field hockey and kind of get up, get excited again. And it's just, man, what a tough weekend. That was, that was the one bright spot was that field hockey team uh, winning on Friday was really exciting. They actually competed well. I thought in the national championship and and what an amazing story there. We'll start there. Um, you know, what does, what has the field hockey team done over the past five years um, to kind of build to this moment? And did this kind of come out of nowhere or have they been a solid program being ranked in the country and all that kind of thing building up to this? It kind of felt like to me, cause I haven't been following it as much felt like they came out of nowhere, but uh, you know, when you start looking into it, They've been kind of building to this crescendo for a long time. Oh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of research the last two weeks, I guess, on field hockey. And, you know, I've always, you know, just like you and, and most people listening to the pod probably is uh, we've always paid attention to all Liberty sports. I mean, we're Liberty fans, Liberty athletic fans, not just football fans or not just basketball fans. So we always, you know, support all the teams. And obviously some we pay more attention to to others. Um, you know, but yeah, field hockey, they, they've had, they've been one of the best programs, probably the best program the last three years, but certainly amongst the best over the last five years or so, um, under, you know, head coach Nikki Parsley blocker. And, um, you know, they, they've been ranked in the top 25, you know, most of the last two to three seasons, they've been in the top 10, most of the last two years. Uh, you, you can remember last year during back in the spring, during the spring COVID year, they had, uh, you know, they were ranked in the top five a lot. And, uh, their biggest hurdle, which, you know, I, I wrote about it in uh, my article previewing the fi- them making the final four 
uh, last week. And, um, but their biggest hurdle was getting over UConn. UConn, you know, they play in the Big East. UConn is, has been the preeminent team in that uh, conference, and they'd won nine straight uh, Big East championships, and Liberty could not beat them couldn't get over that hump. They might've been a top 20, top 25 team, but they couldn't beat the top 10 UConn team. Well, that changed back in the spring and Liberty finally knocked off the Huskies for the first time ever. And that kind of led to a top five national ranking. And there was a lot of publicity on the team back in the spring, but then they ended up losing in the Big East semifinals, Big East tournament um, to ODU in an upset. And then ODU lost to, to UConn as they won their ninth straight, as I mentioned. But you know, that was kind of the turning point of this program's success. I mean, they, they should have been an at-large team last year, but they didn't get in. They got snubbed. Um, and then this year they went in, and, and, you know, their goal, if you ask any of them, was to win the Big East title and to make it to the NCAA tournament for the third time in school history. And they finally did that. They, they were, what, 17-2, and two, I think, through the regular season and into the Big East tournament and, and knocked off UConn. They've won three straight against the Huskies now including one in the regular season and the one in the regular season back in the spring. And then again, uh, in the big East tournament final to get over that hump, get into the NCAA tournament. And then from there, like we knew this team could compete. They've, they beat North Carolina this season. They were nine and two ended up being 10 and three after the final four uh, against top 25 teams. So it's not like they were a Cinderella story. They're a legit top 10, top five team. And I think they'll probably be ranked preseason top 10 next year as well. So they, They've been knocking on that door, and finally they they got into the tournament, and they kind of bust through the door, as we like to say, um, you know, with with knocking off UConn, and then that run where they won, you know, three straight games to get into the uh, the national championship game came up short against Northwestern, but I mean they were going, they knocked off some storied programs to get to where they did Maryland, who they beat in the Final Four, you know, that was their twentieth Final Four appearance. They had won eight national championships. Uh, they did. They knocked off number one Rutgers to get to the Final Four. So it's amazing what they've done over there uh, on the mountain and, and in that program. And uh, I kind of joked about it, you know, this season a little bit about you know them being the first team to win a national championship, and they came incredibly close to doing that. And uh, hopefully they can get back again next year and and eventually knock that wall down and win a national championship. Yeah, incredible rise of the program. All right, uh, let's talk about basketball, men's basketball. We've uh, we got two games this week, or, or the next few weeks. We have uh, we play at Bethink Cookman, and then we play at or we host um, Eastern Shores Maryland or Maryland Eastern Shores, something like that. Both of them terrible in D one. They're both, you know, they've been playing better as you pointed out, but um, to me earlier, but they are still ranked in the bottom in Ken Palm. You know, when I say the bottom, I'm talking bottom five in Ken Palm rankings currently. Um, so we have a chance to kind of lick our wounds here. I, I just want to gauge your level of panic on this team. Uh, and, you know, we all know what their, what their woes are and what, what the problems have been, but just summarize basically what the problems are, have been, are they fixable? And are we still really confident that we will win the A-Sun tournament? What is, what is, and when that's, that's what I mean when I say panic level. Are you still confident that we can win and will win the A-Sun tournament? Um, and what have our problems been and are they fixable? I'm confident we can win the A-Sun. I'm not confident we will, not anymore. Um, I, I am concerned. 
I'm concerned about the team. I mean, these last three games, you know, the LSU game, I kind of right, wrote off. I mean, they played well. They were leading with five minutes left. And then, you know, the wheels fell off at the end. And, uh, you know, the Iona game, I even wrote that off a little bit. Iona's a good team. They're probably going to make the NCAA tournament, led by Rick Patino. It was a tight game. We were leading by, uh, you know, four, I think it was, with two and a half minutes left. Had a couple shots where we could have seized control of the game in the closing uh, minutes, and it slipped away. But then that Manhattan game, man, that was just you know, awful. Like I thought that was a game we, we would have won and won comfortably, but, um, you know, the team just lost confidence. Now I have, I have complete trust in coach McKay. I think we all do. We, we know how good of a coach he is. We know the culture that's in that program. Uh, they're struggling right now. There's no doubt about it. And, and I'm not, hopefully we get this podcast uh, published before the game Tuesday night against uh, Bethune Cookman or, you know, this message or, or, our, our attitudes could change slightly, but I am a little concerned, and I expressed this to you as you were alluding to, you know, before we, we got on the podcast, that I am a little concerned about the game against Bethune-Cookman. I mean, we're playing into D- Daytona Beach. You know, it's on a neutral floor, uh, which is a good thing, but it's in their backyard. They're sleeping in their own beds uh, tonight and last night, and uh, we're, we're still on the road, been on the road, you know, for a good while, staying down there in Florida through the weekend, and um, you know, Bethune Cookman's played better these last two games. They got a division one win. We don't. So they got something we don't this year. They beat Bryant on Saturday by six, which, you know, doesn't say a lot. Uh, and then they, they played air force very competitively and lost by eight on Sunday in a little tournament. They played in two game tournament, um, on the same floor, they'll be playing Liberty at on Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, they're led by Reggie Theus of, former NBA all-star, former head coach in the NBA. He's also was a head coach at New Mexico State. And, uh, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. They didn't play last season so due to COVID, so we don't really know how good or how bad they are. Yes, they are ranked basically at the bottom of Division One teams. But if you watch Liberty play against Manhattan, we look like one of the worst teams in Division One too. I mean, we can't buy a bucket. We know these teams with athleticism and the teams that like to get up and down and run up and down the floor uh, bother us, and we've had a rough schedule facing LSU and Iona and Manhattan, three of the you know teams that you know play right into that style. Um, so that's always been our Achilles heel under McKay's last few years, and and Bethune Cookman plays a very similar style. Rick Pitino was an assist, or Reggie Theus was an assistant under Rick Pitino at Louisville, so you know they've got athletes there at Bethune Cookman playing. They're now in the SWAC, we're in the MEAC, so. I'm concerned for that game. You know, I like to think we'd win comfortably, but, uh, you know, I've, you know, kind of lost confidence in this team right now. But, you know, to get back to your point, do, do I feel confident that they can get things right? Yes, I do. I do still think we'll be competing when it's all said and done for a conference championship, you know, in February and March. Uh, that's the expectation for this team. That's still my expectation for this team, but they need to get things fixed. Like right now, we cannot score. You know, teams are daring anybody on our team to score or make a play other than Darius McGee. When he gets the ball, he's got pressure, you know, right in his face. They're doubling him. You know, if he's trying to do a pick and roll, the two guys are jumping out at him, jumping that pick and not letting him get around or get any space to get a shot off. They're putting bigger guys on him, longer guys. And he's struggling with that. I mean, he's 5'9". We talked about that before. Um, but you know, 
he's got to make the right play. And then once he makes that right pass, that next person has to attack aggressively and make a right play, whether it's that person, you know, whoever it may be attacking the basket and getting a shot off or dishing it to another person who's wide open. And then that person needs to drill the shot. But the, the biggest issue I think right now is just confidence. The team has lost their confidence. And, uh, you know, these games against Bethune, Cookman, and Maryland Eastern Shore games that we need to get our confidence back. And if we can, we can get a couple wins, start to feel that confidence back, get that swagger back a little bit. Then we play Missouri at home, you know, that the next game after these two. And, uh, you know, the crowds can come out for us and be supporting them, especially if they win these two. And, uh, you know, they can, they can, you know, get back to where we thought they were going to be. And we'll look back on these, you know, three games are just a blip on the radar. And, and I'm hopeful that's going to be the case. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. And, I'm, uh, you know, confidence is one of those things you can fix. They seem to have had a few different issues. I would say that the two biggest ones are confidence and then that next person, like you said, when Darius gets out of the trouble or makes the right pass or anybody makes the right pass out of the double team or out of out of the pressure, it's that next person that needs to either shoot the wide open three or attack the paint and kind of, uh, you know, get a paint touch with a dribble drive type thing. And uh, McKay's kind of alluded to that, but I think that's the two biggest issues. They're definitely correctable. Uh, it seems like we got the turnovers corrected when we went from 21 against uh, uh, LSU to five against Iona, who is another high pressure defense. So I think we got that kind of squared away. Um, the shooting issues, you know, hopefully we don't we don't shoot that poorly uh, continuing on. But I think that the, the two things you identified are the two biggest concerns going forward, and they're both correctable. And I fully anticipate um, the three freshmen, Moore, Vinzant, and Brody, uh, all gaining more confidence and and being, you know, by the end of the year, I expect Vinzant to be our best defensive on ball defender. I expect Brody to be our second leading scorer. Uh, or scoring option, and I expect um, DJ Moore to be our primary ball handler, and that's that's putting a lot on three freshmen um, right now. So I think they'll grow into that, and that's some pretty hefty roles for young guys to come in and fill. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can see that happen. That's just kind of my prediction, and where we are right now is just young, and and those guys can grow into those roles. All right, looking forward to um, getting getting these next two games under our belt and trying to knock off Missouri. If we beat Missouri at home on the 2nd, uh, December 2nd, in front of a sold-out Liberty Arena, I fully expect uh, I fully expect us to be right back on the right track and have that confidence and, and uh, have things figured out. So building up yeah. to these next two games, building up to a big-time matchup with Missouri at home. All right, football. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think um, you made a really good point about the three freshmen. I mean, before we jump into football, I think – uh, that's a very good point you made. I mean, I, I do expect Vinzant to be our best on-ball defender. He might already be that. And if you look at his stats, he's really taken a step up these last three games. While the team may be struggling, he's picked up his play, and he's going to be – we can count on him as a defender going forward. His strong suit is not offense, so don't expect him to be a guy that's going to make 40% of his open threes because he's going to get some open shots. That's just not his game right now. He can grow into that over the next couple years. But that's not him right now. Um, and I agree with you on Brody. He, we need him to step up and be that second option, whether he's a second leading scorer or not for the team. We need him to be that second scoring option because a lot of this team, are that's just not their, their strength. Um, so we need him to be that. And I agree with you on DJ Moore. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if DJ Moore is our starting point guard 
going forward here very soon. And we, we go with a starting lineup of, of DJ Moore, Darius McGee, Vin Zant at the three, then, uh, you know, Kyle Shiloh or Blake pick two of those three to, to start and have one of them coming off the bench. I think that's our best option, you know, for us to be what we hope to be and what we think we can be this year. That's what we need to happen. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but that you're, you're exactly right. Those are three very important roles on this team. And we're wanting that to be uh, from true freshmen who are just playing their first, you know, four or five games or DJ Moore's only played one uh, or two games now. So, um, you know, that's a lot to ask for them, but they can grow into that. And I, I trust uh, McKay to, to get this figured out. Yeah. And I like what I'm seeing from the guys early on, to be honest with you, they have been bright spots, especially Vinzant and Brody there at LSU. And I think he'll be a little bit more, he'll be the last one to fulfill that, that role. Um, because it, you know, that's just a little bit, that's a little bit more pressure than being the leading ball handler or the best defender. I think coming in and being that second scoring option is going to take a little bit of more consistency, but yeah, they can do it. And that's kind of where I see this team at right now. They kind of, tried it with some of the upperclassmen because they were so young and it didn't work out. And I think they're going to build those, those three that we just talked about into those roles and kind of McKay alluded to it. Once we lost to LSU, we're an at large, we're not getting an at large bid. So we're focused on that tournament, winning that tournament, winning as many games as we can leading up to it. But I think that that kind of sets the stage for building those three into those roles. And, and, And I think that, you know, whether or not this is true or not, I, I do think that we will get them more playing time early and kind of get them exposed. So that way, when March comes, they'll be ready to take on that role. Whereas had we beat LSU, um, I, I would say that DJ Moore might not have burned his red shirt. Um, Vinzant might not be starting. Brody might not be looked at to be the second leading scorer on the team. Uh, but I think that shifting to a tournament team, we're going to take the time and get those guys built up for that. And that's just kind of a, uh, you know, that's a guess on my part, but um, all right, let's talk about the football game. What a disaster that was Saturday night. It felt like we were primed to be right back in the prime time. We played a good game against Ole Miss. Um, we had been, we had been looking a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, we just completely laid an egg. I don't know. I don't know, man. It was kind of disappointing, and and in the, you know you can point the fingers all the way around. Um, the fans were disappointing. The show out, to be honest with you, I thought that you know we host a top twenty-five team. Doesn't matter if students are there or not. I thought we were above the point where we would be having fifteen thousand. Um, you know, still I thought it was a decent turnout, but and, and kind of on par for where we are. I just was hoping to see a little bit more. So even even down to that level of fan engagement uh the the it i don't know about the play calling uh the special teams uh defense everything seemed to be kind of not going our way and i was kind of shocked and disappointed um you know and 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 here's the bad part not the bad part but it almost can be a good part is we have to turn around and play a very good army team in what five days from now so um, you know, you can't, can't sulk on this one, but just react reactions to that game. Were you surprised as I was to see everybody kind of be unprepared and what are your thoughts from that game? And, and, uh, you know, again, are those mistakes correctable? I'm man, (laughs) what I said a few minutes ago that I'm, I'm hopeful about basketball. I think they can still figure it out and turn things around. 
I don't feel as confident in the football team right now. Um, I, you know, man, what a, it's hard to put into words, what a lackluster performance. I mean, just all around, like, and it all goes back to the offensive line. We can sit here and, you know, talk about the offensive line, like we've done a lot, but I, I mean, I really think it all goes back to that. I mean, we can talk about uh, Malik Willis's poor playmaking, uh, not playmaking ability, but poor decision-making ability uh, that he's shown these last few games. But I think that goes back to the offensive line. You know, he knows that he's not going to have time to throw. He knows when he gets the ball, he's got to make a decision immediately to either throw the ball if he sees somebody open or to tuck it and get out of the pocket and try to make a play with his legs and, you know, or, or whatever. So. I kind of write some of that off on Malik. Uh, I, th- I think the, the play calling is another question mark. Is like, you know, Hugh Freeze is one of the best offensive minds in the country. He's proven that over the last, you know, decade plus. I mean, that's just who he is. He's proven it at Liberty with Buckshot as quarterback and with Malik as quarterback. But this year, I don't know what it is, but it, things just aren't clicking. They haven't been all season. The run game has been a question mark. The pass game has been a question mark. The outside receivers we knew was going to be a question mark. But again, I think that all goes back to the offensive line. All the offensive struggles, I think, goes back there. And I am completely befuddled with that unit. Like, I don't understand what happened. We have everybody back from last year. It's the same players, the same level of talent. It's not like we all of a sudden you know, had to replace a bunch of guys who were here last year. No, we had this, we had this, we had the same group here last year. And they, you know, last year we were top 10 national, nationally ranked rushing attack. This year, um, we can't run the ball to save our lives if it's not Malik scrambling to find room and make plays. And, you know, we can talk about the sacks. I think we've had, what, five games with at least six sacks in a game? I and mean, that's just ridiculous. And it, it's frustrating. Um, yeah, you know, John, let me, let me stop you for a second. I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I do have – a different take on that. Honestly, I, 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 I think that yes, the offensive line, we weren't able to run the ball early in the season. I think we've given up on the run game, uh, in terms of, you know, look at the number of rushing attempts on against Louisiana. I mean, and that was, that was a staple when we were beating teams like Syracuse and we were winning those games on the road, we, we were running the ball really good. And I think we just kind of gave up on it. I don't know if that's because the offensive line, I don't know but so that, the one thing is rushing attempts. You got to have more rushing attempts than that. You can't drop back and expect your your offensive line to pass protect all night long. That's the first step. And the second thing that makes offensive line and look, I'm not being an an, uh, an excuse maker for the offensive line. I'm just kind of calling the other side of the coin here is that many pass attempts is very hard on any offensive line. It doesn't matter who's. The second thing is, I think that the RPO is a lot slower than it used to be. When I say the RPO, Malik's putting that ball in the running back's gut, and they're both just standing there freezing in time. It's not like a quick decision. It's like a one Mississippi, two Mississippi, pull it, you know, and, and it that is, t- and then he's going into his drop back. Then he's setting up. And then by that time, he doesn't one, and they get another two Mississippi look at it. And then by that time, you know, that we've been in pass protection for five seconds. And it's like, you know, I, I, to me, doing that over and over and over has got to be, you know, I would say half the sacks on, I don't know about the season as a whole, 
But from what I saw, half the sacks that we took, and we'll have to ask Freeze about this, but half the sacks that we we took on Saturday night were on Malik holding it too long or not being decisive on the run RPO and um, pulling it, you know, and, and kind of that 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 trend that that process or that that um, mechanic or whatever it is that play seems to be slow developing this year. From last year, it was like a snap, put it in his gut, pull it then pass. Now it's like a snap. Everybody stops and looks and, and we're being patient and trying to read. I don't know. It just seems like a slower process. So yes, the offensive line is, hasn't performed very well at all. And, and definitely a lot of those sacks are on just getting beat or, or, or whatever, one-on-one or missing a protection or not being in the right place at the right time. But a good bit of that is Malik not being able to uh, process and not running the ball at all. And that just puts us in a from you know if you have a bad offensive line you know you would think that you would just uh kind of run the ball more and anyway that's kind of my yeah, take on yeah, it and, no, and i just I wanted disagree. to wanted to make sure that we weren't just you know because that's the narrative right now is the offensive line sucks well it's 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 the same guys as last year same coaching as last year so what is different and i think the difference is we're not able to run the ball so i, I kind of laid out there and, and i'm not Again, I'm not an offensive lineman apologist. I just want to see that there's two sides to the thing here. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you. And I, I do agree. I had the exact same opinion when I was watching the game Saturday against Louisiana is it seemed like from the get-go, we had decided that we were going to pass ad nauseum, like nonstop. That was just the game plan. I was I even had the comment and, and thoughts to myself in the press box, like, what is this all about? Like did we see something on film where we thought we could attack Louisiana secondary or is it just because we don't think we can run the ball? But yeah, you're exactly right. We, I don't know how many, I don't have the stats in front of me. We did not attempt hardly any rushing attempts on the game Saturday. And then we got behind in the second half and we had to play, you know, had to throw the ball, but we, we never even, you know, tried to run the ball. So that's very disappointing. And I do think we should, you know, point out, yes, we gave up 42 points to the uh, to the Raging Cajuns, but I thought the defense played decent. I mean, th- they held Louisiana under 300 yards of offense. They didn't give up a ton of, of long plays, long drives, uh, explosive plays either. Um, you know, unfortunately, they were dealt a couple of, of short hands. You know, they had, they had a 28-yard punt, so their first scoring drive was a 10-play, 41-yard drive. Um, that took, you know, two fourth down conversions to, to get points on the board. Uh, they had another turnover there in the red zone where they ended up, you know, forcing a three and out and a missed field goal. Then they, um, you know, they had the, the punt, muff, fumble, whatever you want to call it, that was returned for a touchdown. So I think the 42 points, a little bit of an anomaly as far as, you know, if you look at the stats, defense played pretty well against what was and has been a very explosive uh, offense from Louisiana, but yeah, I mean the the other thing as we move ahead and look forward to uh, Army is one of the biggest takeaways from the game Saturday against Louisiana is just the undisciplined nature of that game of that of the team in the game. You know, from the sacks, from the penalties at inopportune times, the six turnovers. I mean, all that adds up. It was just undisciplined team and playing an Army team they will fully take advantage of a team playing on discipline. What do we know about Army football is they are going to be very disciplined, very well coached, and they're going to play hard. And they'll take advantage of 
of us playing undisciplined. And we, we've got to be ready or it could be a long day Saturday. And, and I think this is a game, you know, if we were coming into it, you know, feeling well, feeling confident, you know, go back to the beginning of the season, I think we beat Army. I think we're the better football team. I think we have the better athletes overall top to bottom. But that doesn't mean we're going to win as, as we've come to find out this season. Yeah. Man, we got to ball this one up and put it in the trash quickly. But I did want to read this stat. TJ Green, four rushing attempts for 56 yards, averaging 14 a carry. Shadre Lewis led the team with five carries from running back perspective, um, averaged 3.2. And then from there, Josh Mack got two carries. You know, so we got four carries for Green, five carries for Lewis, and two carries for Mac. What is that? Nine, eleven att- rushing attempts from our top three backs, and um, you know that just goes to uh, is, is to our point earlier. And four carries for fifty-six yards, averaging fourteen a carry. Uh, we gotta we gotta use that more, in my opinion. And uh, you're right; it felt like from the very beginning, maybe Freeze and, and company knew something we didn't going into the game, and that's fine. And you know, look, what we're doing is Monday morning quarterback, quite literally it's Monday morning and we're sitting here looking back. So um, I'm sure he has the same thoughts and the team and the coaches have the same thoughts. Like, wow, we could have used that more heading into the game. It didn't, they didn't think they were going to be able to do that as well. So um, all of it was just frustrating, ready to move on to army, excited to be there. And we have a good opportunity to beat a good team and, and get a bit, little bit better bowl game. So uh, we've got two more two more opportunities to kind of get there. Um, disappointed with an eight-win season if we win on Saturday. Uh, I wouldn't say disappointed. It was uh, This whole season kind of felt like it was setting up for disappointment, winning 10 games last year, having pretty much everybody come back, playing a much tougher schedule. Everybody had the book on Malik now. Um, and, and, you know, so disappointed. No, I think eight is right where we would be. I picked the under nine wins uh, to start the season. So if we win Saturday. Now, if we lose Saturday and we're, we only win seven games, we go seven and five, I would, uh, you know, yeah, that would be considered a disappointment in my book. And, uh, so I think Saturday has a lot riding on it in terms of overall success of the season. Um, and then you have the bowl game as well. So we'll be following. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can figure it out. I, I do trust Malik. I do trust Freeze. I, I do think that they will get something figured out um, with that. And uh, looking forward to being there on Saturday. I had a great time, by the way, up in the club section. It was my first time up there. Um, for all you Flames Club members who listen to this, um, you know, if you ever have the opportunity to get up there and watch a game, especially on a cold night where you can go back and forth and get a little bit warm, get some food, quite the experience. It was a lot of fun. I was able to take my sister up there and my son and we had a blast. So, um, yeah, appreciate all of that. And, uh, John, as always, thanks for, thanks for joining the podcast and, uh, all that you do to keep, you know, Liberty, Liberty university athletics covered and, and in the limelight kind of, and, um, with all of the takes it's, it's, uh, more than, more than our opinions count just being there and being consistent with the coverage is something I think is, is very valuable to an athletics department. So, um, you know, I, I know I tell you this pretty much every week, but really appreciate all you're doing with the sea of red and the time commitment and how consistent you've been with that. Thank, thanks, man. Appreciate it. And I uh, had my phone on mute there, but uh, <laughs> that's the delay. But yeah, no, I appreciate it. it it's hard. Like, you know, I, I'm, you know me, I'm the biggest fan there is. I love Liberty Athletics. And what does that mean? What, 
when you're a fan is you ride those highs and you you ride those lows too and and uh it's hard sometimes to to you know i'm not like damien sorlet no offense to him i I like damien consider him a friend but you know he is not a liberty fan that you know that's not him that's not his job he's a journalist and he he's going to provide the same coverage you know whether teams winning or losing and and for me sometimes and some of our other uh contributors you know yourself included sometimes it's easy for us to be like man that was a bad game i just want to go in the closet and hide for a few days and not not do anything but uh you know in my opinion that's not the purpose of a sea of red we're, we're to be there and and support this team and cover the team you know when things are going well it's a lot of fun uh but but to be the same and to be there when when things aren't going so well and and to still show up and, and be that voice or, or that platform for for the fans to, to come around and commiserate together and and also celebrate the the highs together as well and you know it's not fun all the time but but it is fun you know because ultimately you know it's a lot of great experiences you know we we talked a lot Chad about and you say it almost every week is like man it's another high for the game and the team and the season and the program you know but you can't enjoy those highs as much if you don't suffer through the lows and that's just that's part of life and that's part of uh being a fan is, is there everything goes in cycles and, and they're down times uh but suffer through those you know stay together and continue to support the team and and ultimately they'll come out on the other side of things and, and when we get back to the mountaintop whenever that is hopefully saturday against army uh it, it'll be that much more fun and more rewarding Yep, totally agreed, man. And uh, actually, hopefully it's Tuesday against me. Think Hookman, I could get back on the winning train very sooner than later. Um, yeah, John, one one thing we didn't mention, I know we've, we've kind of gone over here, but one thing we didn't mention was silly season with Hugh Freeze. Four huge jobs are open. Southern California, LSU, um, now Florida became open, I believe, yesterday, and Virginia Tech. That's four solid jobs, um, you know, in Hugh Freeze being a top G5 coach, uh, you know, his name will be thrown out there. And then the trickle down effect, you know, if if Lane Kiffin leaves to go to LSU or, um, you know, Penn State's coach um, Franklin leaves to go to USC, that opens up two other high caliber jobs. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't have any predictions. I don't know anything. I just know what I'm seeing. And I, right now I feel very confident that Coach Freeze will be on our sidelines next season, but we'll see how things play out. And uh, John, been good catching up, and uh, hopefully we don't have to do too many more podcasts like this in the near future, and uh, our Flames will keep winning. So with that being said, go Flames. This is your Kyle Road Hoops update. Uh, Flames Nation, it was great to get a win yesterday um, in Daytona. Uh, it was awesome to get back in the win column. Keegs and Darius played awesome for us. Uh, a lot of guys did a lot of little things well as well. Um, so we're we're going to keep pursuing uh, practice this week. It'll be nice to get back in Liberty Arena for a game Saturday and then uh, Missouri the next week. So we're going to keep building, um, keep, keep fine-tuning the details, and stick with us because I think this team is still going to be really good. Uh, We're going to come a long ways in March, and we really appreciate all your guys' love and support. This is your Kyle Road Hoops Update. We are joined by defensive line coach, Coach 
Josh Aldridge uh, joining us from, I guess it looks like your office there. I got a big game coming up against Army this week. Um, I know that I know that Coach has tell the truth Monday. Coach Freeze has tell the truth Monday, and you guys kind of lay it all out there. What? How? How do you guys, as a unit, how do you deal with you know maybe a disappointment or kind of get your minds right for a big opportunity coming this weekend? How do you make that transition as a specific unit? I know that you guys. Talk about it as a team, and is that kind of where you leave it, or do you guys break it down by position group as well in terms of just the mindset? Well, I think uh, I think you always, you know, have to cover the corrections and things like that. Um, you know, we had a we had a pretty good day in my room um, Saturday, um, but plenty to clean up, especially in key moments. Um, but overall, the overall day was was uh, above average, um, but. This week is much different because you're facing a totally different offense, you know, um, uh, than what you normally face. So probably moved on from the Lafayette game a lot sooner than you normally would, you know, um, trimmed it down to corrections that you really, really need to cover. Whereas normally you just uh, cover the corrections as well as, you know, show some good stuff as well. You know, really we just show the corrections and got right to army. So um, so moved on probably a little quicker than normal just because of the opponent this week. All right. I, so with, within flames nation, you're here and, and I guess across, across the country, whoever's paying attention, um, you have made yourself known as, as a great recruiter and, uh, your, your room is always, always stacked and, uh, you're doing a great job on the recruiting trail. My question is, <laughs> Do you have any type of tailored recruiting pitches or is this all just like, you know, getting to know the player and it's all just on a one-to-one basis or is it kind of like, all right, this guy wants playing time. So I'm going to give him the playing time. What, what makes you such a good recruiter? How, how is this working out for you? Do you have, I guess, do you have a game plan or are you just kind of a, a wing it kind of guy and make a relationship, make it genuine and, and see where the chips fall? Well, I definitely think you got to start with being genuine. I mean, I, the game plan for me is being just genuine and being myself. Um, you know, that's the only person I know to be. Um, I wouldn't be very good at being someone else. Um, so, uh, you know, the other thing is, I mean, I think if you look at people who are labeled as great recruiters, almost all those places, all those people work at great places, you know. So, um, Liberty, for me, I mean, I, it's pretty easy sell for me. I mean, we, we get them on campus and we got a pretty good shot, you know. Um, just in terms of the facilities and things like that. And I think guys, once they realize the type of scheme we run and uh, do it, which is just getting, you know, D linemen in position to make plays, you know, uh, doing a, var- a variation of different things. Um, and then, you know, I've just been, I've been privileged to, to know what a good player looks like. You know, um, I, I got to coach some when I was really young and um, I think, uh, the more good players you coach, the easier it is to pick up on the recruiting trail what characteristics you're looking for, you know, because um, there's always something that's a question mark when you're recruiting a kid, um, but there's some things that stand out, you know, and I'm always looking for those things you can't coach, you know, the effort, the length, um, the speed, obviously, and, and the twitch um, and stuff like that, you know. Um, if a kid's raw, I can coach him, you know, if a kid's – um, if a kid's just never played the position, I can still coach him. But if he's got those natural things that you can't coach, I can't make him tall. I can't make him fast, you know, um, stuff like that. 
Um, you got to find those uh, natural things and hone in on those guys, you know, because um, it's way more about who you get than who you don't get. You know, um, I think a lot of people get bent out of shape when they miss out on kids they want and stuff like that. But once we do get who we get, um, we've got to develop them. So I take as much pride in developing them as I do recruitment. So um, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, good stuff, man. And so this one is kind of a – I mean, I already probably know the answer to this. I'm just going to ask it anyways. So I, I honed in on you a little bit on Saturday at the game. And uh, between you and, and uh, Coach King Williams, it seems to be the most animated room in the, in the, on the sideline. Um, I'm wondering, you know, you're, you're just bouncing all over the place. You're keeping everybody mm-hmm. in line. you got a lot of excitement. Uh, is this how I'm wondering about at home, uh, you know, dad, Aldridge, husband, Aldridge, is he, is he the same way when you're getting your kids into bed and getting dinner time oh, and yeah. everything's getting crazy? Are you jumping around like, come on, let's go. We need the first D up first D up. Or is that, is that kind of how you do? Yeah. I think my wife would tell you that I'm, uh, I, I got to turn my intensity switch off sometimes when I get home. She, uh, she, uh, my son is just like me, I man. He is as intense. He's as intense about eating his cereal as he is playing baseball in the backyard. So, I mean, um, you know, yeah, I'm pretty wide open. So it's, uh, I got to calm myself down when I get home usually, but, uh, yeah, dad Aldridge is very similar. Very similar. <laughs> That's great. Is your uh, son still hitting the golf ball at all? He is, man. It's a little cold for him right now. Um, I try to get him on the range at the end of the week. You know, we usually Thursdays get done a little sooner than other days. So I try to get him on the range on Thursdays, but, um, it's been pretty cold. So I haven't been out there in a while. Yeah, I guess um, speaking of cold weather, uh, it feels like that, you know, we, we kind of already know what Army's going to bring to the table. Is that a myth? You know, is that a myth that if it's cold, that the, the stronger, you know, the up the middle runs teams are more effective than maybe the spread fast uh, paced offenses? Is that is that a myth or is that real that that maybe the weather being hot or cold can impact whether or not you should pass a lot or run a lot or the physicality of the game. Is that all kind of just what we make up as fans and kind of uh, anal- people who analyze the game, or is that something real you guys talk about? No, I mean, I definitely think in, you know, in November and December, you got to be able to run the football um, uh, because, I mean, you're, you know, you'll see quarterbacks' accuracy goes down when, when their hands are cold, obviously, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Now, I mean, it's obviously a big difference between playing at 50 degrees and playing in 10 inches of snow, um, you know, so. Um, but I mean, I think, I think most people would agree. You got to be able to run the football in November and December. Now to say you're definitely going to be more effective as an option team than a spread team or something like that. I I wouldn't necessarily say that, but, um, running the football is definitely important to winning games in general, but I think definitely late in the year, um, the teams that can still be physical and run the football are going to win games. One for you here, Coach, and this is more personal note. I know you're probably a huge college football fan yourself in terms of, you know, that's why you got into this profession, I would guess. And, um, you know, how much of how much of your time on game days, especially, um, you know, if you don't have any recruiting obligations and all that kind of thing, let's take this Saturday, for example, kickoff at noon, game will be over by four o'clock. You know, do you, do you cut do you cut on the TV or are you kind of done with football for a little bit and kind of get a break until you guys start watching film or, or you just soak it all in as a fan? And Yeah, I go home and watch ball. I'm typically trying to watch my friends. You know, I've got a lot of friends in this profession and um, I'm trying to watch them. Um, I, I wouldn't say I watch a specific team unless it's, you know, a, 
a highly ranked game. You know, it's fun to watch good teams. And But most of the time when I go home, I'm looking for my friends that coach at uh, different universities that I've worked with along the way or uh, fellow D-line coaches I'm friends with and stuff like that. And, uh, rooting for those guys because they teach similar things that I teach and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of a fraternity a little bit in the coaching profession when it comes to people you've worked with and stuff like that that you keep in touch with during the season or people you play common opponents with. Um, so uh, it's it's good. To, it's fun to watch your the opponents you beat early in the season or people you played early in the season and um, seeing how they're faring or how they've changed or developed and stuff like that. Um, so, I, I mean – I'd say, but most of the time I'm going home and I'm watching uh, friends of mine um, in the profession and watching their games. Very cool, man. Well, good luck this Saturday. Uh, we're, all, we're all big fans of uh, the D-line and what you guys are doing over there and our Flames football team and the success you guys are having. So, man, keep up the great work and uh, we'll be cheering you on on Saturday. Back for the last week of the regular season with the Liberty Line, where the Flames are hoping to forget last week's home loss to Louisiana Lafayette. We hit on the over. We told you the Flames wouldn't cover the four and a half, but we did predict the Flames would win a close game, which of course did not happen. So let's get rid of the bad news. Good news. Flames, this week, head coach Hugh Free signed another contract extension, which would keep him on the mountain through the 2028 season. The bad news for the Flames this week, though, is they're going to play Army, the Black Knights, who bring the option football to the Berg, and the Flames don't have a lot of time to prepare for. The Black Knights come into Saturday's game winners of three in a row after losing their three previous games. Overall record for Army is 7-3, and three, Liberty 7-4. and four. For the Flames, they've got to figure out how they want to finish this season. Two rough games this week against top 25 opponents the last two weeks, and offensively, they've struggled mightily. They haven't been able to keep quarterback Malik Willis protected, and that'll be the same challenge this week. Army, they've given up less than 20 points in four out of the last five games. That one game, of course, a shootout where they came up on the short end against Wake Forest, also ranked at the time inside the top 20. Four. On Sunday, Vegas came out with a line, Liberty being a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and that's still where we're at here midweek. Total, it shifted a little, starting at 54.5. It's now down to 53.5. So predictions for the last regular season game of the year. I'm going to take Army to cover the 3.5, and, and I like the under in this game as well. Army has played well over the last couple of weeks. As we mentioned, three wins in a row. They've got the momentum, and it's really tough on a short holiday week to figure out how you're going to stop that option running game attack. Weather for Saturday, noon kickoff, it'll be 50 and sunny. Be a little bit breezy, bundle up, get your hot chocolate, and enjoy the last home game of the season, which overall, no matter what happens, another seven-win season, a bowl game uh, coming up here in a few weeks. It's been a good year. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll be back for the bowl game for this week's Liberty Line. Jared Brooks. If you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects, reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at his website, lunasound.design. 